From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Budget Tracker Extra Podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress spends your money. Republican senators pushed through a budget resolution last week that's designed to grease the skids for a partisan tax code overhaul. But tax legislation has yet to be drafted, and recent history suggests passage is anything but assured. Meanwhile, the next batch of disaster aid for victims of hurricanes and wildfires stalled in the Senate amid disputes over how much money is needed, even as the flood insurance program is about to run out of cash. I'm David Lerman, editor of the CQ Budget Tracker newsletter, and with me today is Peter Cohn, editor of CQ's budget and appropriations team. And Pete, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, David. So let's start with this budget resolution that got out of the Senate and now seems headed for a swift final approval by the House. What does it actually do and how important is it really? Well, this year it's incredibly important, much more so than in recent years. Typically, the budget resolution, uh, as longtime CQ aficionados know, is non-binding. There's many ways to uh, move to the appropriations bills, which are required to fund government agencies, uh, without actually having passed a budget resolution. Really, the only uh, reason to pass a budget resolution, especially in, in recent years after they passed the Budget Control Act of 20, 2011, which imposed statutory spending caps. So that's even taken uh, much of the uh, regular efficacy out of uh, the budget resolution process. The key for a budget resolution, uh, which makes it truly impactful, is the ability to use reconciliation instructions. And this year, the Republicans... That's that fast-track procedure. Correct. To avoid fast-track a- procedure to avoid a filibuster in the Senate to lower that 60-vote threshold to 50 votes. And they used it for the health care legislation, which was a top priority, really the two top priorities this year for the Republican leadership in the White House, health care and taxes. Health care effort, we all know what happened there, but they did... Uh, use this reconciliation procedure by virtue of them having passed a, a fiscal 2017 budget resolution, which contained those instructions. But you make a good point there, which is that they passed one of these budget resolutions back in January with the idea of speeding through a repeal of Obamacare, and Obamacare never got repealed, at least so far. Uh, and that was this was supposed to be the golden key to unlock health care repeal, And it didn't happen. And now they're doing the same approach with reconciliation to do their tax cuts. And we had the Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer warn this week that taking a partisan approach to tax cuts would yield the same result as the partisan approach to health care. So why are Republicans so hopeful that that this reconciliation is going to work so much better for them this time? Well, nobody's popping the champagne corks yet. I think there's a lot of you know exuberance, a lot of enthusiasm out of the result. The problem is, David, you're absolutely right. The details matter, and they have not actually written those details yet. When it came time to put pen to paper on the health care bill, they could not find that magic formula to get 50 Republicans out of 52 in the Senate to all rally around the same legislation. They're going to run into the, exactly the same problem with the tax bill and there, you know, there are pl- there are plenty of uh, anecdotes out there. Healthcare uh, affects one sixth of the economy. Taxes affect a hundred, uh, you know, hundred percent of the economy. It's a much heavier and and more complex lift. On the other hand, the Republican mantra has been, 
the one thing they're united around is tax cuts. I think somebody said uh, once, you know, God made Republicans to cut taxes, whereas healthcare, it's not really there in their, their comfort zone to deal with health policy. So there's a lot of conflicting views on this, but the important thing was just to, to get this key procedural hurdle out of the way, which they're on the verge of doing, puts them in the, uh, at least, you know, in the batter's box on tax reform without having passed a budget They'd be left having to go the the uh, cobble together a bipartisan majority, which in this in this environment with 2018 elections looming and uh, you know really not a lot of of love for the president and his policy priorities on the Democratic side of the aisle, uh, it was just going to be extremely difficult to do the uh, ambitious type of tax cuts and and uh, tax code overhaul that the Republicans have been discussing. So we'll see if they're right on that. And the budget resolution also helps Republicans in their push to expand oil drilling. How does that work? Correct. So this is uh, something that they tried uh, about a dozen years ago through the reconciliation process. Uh, and what they found was they, they uh, could not get the votes uh, in among House Republicans to do so. Uh, they were able to, uh, and so because of that, they had to drop it from the eventual budget resolution, the, the instructions to the energy committees to produce the revenue, essentially, from uh, federal oil and gas leases and, and royalty receipts. Uh, they had to drop that about a dozen years ago. Then they tried it in a with a 60-vote vehicle, the omnibus appropriations bill, which ultimately they were able not able to get those 60 votes. But now they're trying again a dozen years later. They've decided it was time to go the uh, reconciliation route once again. Uh, and we should that, say this is to expand drilling in the in Alaska's Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. That's correct. Yeah, they would open up a parcel of the of the wildlife refuge in Alaska that has been off limits to oil and gas drilling. Uh, it's been a long-time pet project of the Alaska delegation, famous uh, image of, of the late Senator Ted Stevens wearing his incredible Hulk tie uh, on the Senate floor trying to get this through, could not get the support from the uh, uh, Democrats or, frankly, a, a few of the more moderate Republicans in the Senate. Um, in the House, there is a question about whether the remaining uh, moderate uh, faction, the shrinking moderate faction in the House among on the Republican side— would in fact support the uh, instructions to open up ANWR, as it's known, to oil and gas exploration. Uh, so for that reason, they actually removed part of the, the uh, budget text, the Senate budget text, that requires the House committee to produce that legislation because there was a fear that you might not be able to uh, ultimately get the votes for that in the House. Uh, and also it helps speed the process of moving the tax bill to the floor so that's what the budget resolution does in a nutshell. But let's talk a minute about what it doesn't do. I was struck by how readily Republicans acknowledge that the budget that they're voting for is largely a sham. Why is that? How did we get to this point? Well, they make a big show. Uh, the budget resolution, I mean, you know, typically if you look at the, the document, I mean, you look at complex legislation that's passed through the House and the Senate, th- legislation that deals with uh, major government benefit programs, government program, government spending, uh, entitlements. I mean, these are these are this is complex legislation that runs for thousands of pages. Sometimes the budget resolution itself is a very short document. It's the you know it can be in in the ten, in the dozens of pages, and it contains a lot of numbers. But there's really no meat behind those numbers because again, this is a non-binding document. You it cannot actually enact changes in policy. So it contains it contains recommendations. Sometimes there's a report that accompanies it that can go for hundreds of pages. The report itself is um, is really just nothing more than a suggestion. So right, but that part's always true. But this year right. it's even less meaningful than usual, right? 
Well, you know, they came out, they were pretty clear about the fact that really the, the only reason why they're going to do anything uh, with the budget resolution was to use the reconciliation instructions for a tax overhaul. There was an effort on the part of conservatives in the House, uh, members of the Freedom Caucus and, and some others, who actually wanted to say, OK, look, we're going to assume all these dramatic spending cuts in the budget resolution in the numbers to show a path to a balanced budget. Um, but to actually enforce some of those changes, you need to include the reconciliation instructions to the committees to affect the mandatory benefit programs like food stamps, known as supplemental nutrition assistance, uh, welfare reform, the temporary assistance for needy families. These are proposals that for years the conservatives have tried to, quote unquote, reform. And the numbers in the budget resolution assume lots of cuts very large numbers, $5 trillion in cuts. But without the reconciliation instructions, the committees in charge of these programs have very, very little incentive to actually enact these policies. And even if the instructions are in the, the budget, the committees don't necessarily even need to follow through. So it's a meaningless exercise from that standpoint because you're looking at lots of paper, lots of numbers thrown around. They're all just on paper. They don't actually have any policy changes behind them. And lawmakers have been candid that the real budget's going to come in December when they try to raise spending caps and produce some actual real spending bills. Right. I and mean, this is the one of the trickiest things to, de- to describe to your friends and family when you're sitting around the, the Thanksgiving table is, okay, what is this budget they're talking about? Because aren't they also doing the budget with meaning the appropriations bills? So the budget uh, for the federal agencies for fiscal 2018 is, it, is on a separate track than the budget resolution, which, again, is this sort of grandiose document talking about the 10-year the path for, for spending and revenues and deficits that also includes these reconciliation instructions. The budget itself is what we like to call the appropriations bills for the federal agencies for fiscal 2018, which we are now several weeks into, and there is no agreement on what the actual uh, amount of money is that the, that the appropriations committees will have to parcel out to the federal agencies. So it's a situation where the committees uh, who are actually in charge of, of funding these federal programs and agencies uh, are, at a, are at a loss. They cannot move forward with their process because they don't know what the uh, eventual amount of money is they'll have to spend. And the reason for that is the Budget Control Act impose these very austere spending limits that do not have the support of either uh, side of the aisle in either chamber. This is a deficit-cutting law from 2011. They have not yet come to agreement on on spending caps, which means that we've got a December 8th deadline for funding the government. There's absolutely no agreement on what that level of funding should be. And we could still be here for Christmas waiting on that. So we'll be watching all of that and a possible disaster aid package coming this week, maybe. And CQ will be covering it all for you. Thanks, Pete, for joining me. Thanks very much for having me. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your Budget Tracker editor. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can keep up to date by reading your daily CQ budget newsletter. And you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and NPR One.